If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I'm Ken Quapis. I am a director. I directed the pilot of The Office and many other episodes. Hello, listeners. It is another day. And that means it's time for another episode of The Office Deep Dive. As always, I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Today, I am being joined once again by our spectacular director, Ken Quapis, for round two of our conversation. And this time, we really dive straight into his search for the truth. Because that's what it was, right? I mean, the lengths he took to make sure that the show felt real, felt spontaneous, felt improvised, and that we as a cast felt like we really were a part of the Dunder Mifflin world. I am just in awe of him. That being said, I do want to get one thing straight. Ken, well, he expressed some doubts about my abilities in the basketball episode, season one, episode five, for those of you who don't know. He said, 
that I was so good and made so many shots in a row that it had to have been visual effects. Well, sir, first of all, I'm flattered because that's hilarious, but I hate to break it to you. I am just that good. But enough about me. I could talk about me all day. But since we're talking about skills, Ken truly has so many of them. We owe so much of The Office to his vision and his talent, and we were so lucky to have him on our team. Without further ado, get ready to be swept away into the wonderful, magical world of Ken Quapas. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning left over from the night before. Um, how do you feel? I mean, because you fully committed to the documentary concept. How do you feel like that influenced the storytelling? Well, I think there, I mean, there's a couple of things we did in the pilot and, and pretty much carried throughout this, the, the series. But one of them was, is that the idea is that the camera is actually not always in the right place for the scene. Because as a documentary filmmaker, I'm not sure what the scene is. So that occasionally if, uh, we made a decision, like if, if Steve's character makes an entrance from his office, that, uh, the camera might be over near the water cooler, the last place you would really put the camera f- to catch a good, and then Steve would say something which would catch our attention. We'd have to whip pan over to find him. And, and ideally by the time we found him, he's finished saying whatever he had to say so that we end up landing on him for a bit of dead air. That to me was one of the key strategies in, in how we, we shot. So the pilot in particular has these kind of wonderfully long, weird pauses. And part of that is due to the, you know, cinema verite style of shooting. When Greg and I held the production meeting for the pilot, and Greg and I had discussed this in advance, but I sort of announced to the people at the production meeting, which includes all the, you know, the, the, heads of the different departments, makeup, hair, camera, sound, et cetera, that things that in any other show would get them fired are encouraged in this show. So for instance, if you are a camera operator and you pan past the subject and then have to like sort of backtrack rather, you know, sloppily, that's acceptable and actually not acceptable. It's good. So I think that all of those things we, we've never talked about it, but hopefully what it did for the cast is make everyone feel like they were on all the time. You know, that wasn't my shot, your shot. It wasn't you know, like, you know, nobody knew when they might be the subject of the scene. Right. So Well, and the other thing that you did, you know, traditionally you have marks on the floor that tell the actors where to go. And on the office, there were no marks. There were no marks. And there were also, <clears throat> in theory... There was no regard for whether you were actually facing the camera at certain times. You know, in a traditional, you know, multi-camera comedy, everyone is presented in a very, you know, frontal view. But suddenly in our pilot, we were able to do things like just kind of be, you know, long for long stretches on a profile or not quite see someone well. Right. So, I mean, I do think we, Greg and I were very specific about scenes that were more like, you know, spy camera scenes. And I'm right. thinking in the pilot, particularly of 
there's a wonderful scene towards the end uh, at the reception desk with Jim and Pam and Roy. Uh, and I think Pam actually leaves the reception desk, and there's just this long, long moment where like Roy and Jim are just leaning. And then Jim finally says something really innocuous, and Roy like bolts out of there. It's a very weird. Yes. And, and so that's a scene where those two characters are not aware that they're being filmed. And we sort of hid behind a, a bush, or not a bush, but like a plant. Plant, yeah. And, you know, I think that that was um, a good example of, particularly for a character like Jim, who's hyper aware of the camera, that we get to catch him without, you know, him being aware of it. And I think even at the beginning, as I recall, like Steve would have a look directly at the lens and then a look at me standing next to the camera. And I'm going to have to like rack my brain now a little bit. I think the idea is if he looked to the camera, he was sort of, it was something he was doing as if playing to the camera. But yes. if he looked at me, it was because he wanted, he was worried that the camera caught something that he yes. didn't want to be seen. I, I, again, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm not sure exactly if no, that's No, but I know what you mean. Yes. Well, I want to skip ahead because you just brought this up and kind of talk about probably the most famous spice shot scene in the series. I told Jenna that nothing could shut down production like a big Jim and Pam moment. <laughs> like, it was like, if you were scheduled to work that day, and you were like, oh, Jim and Pam are going to kiss. Uh-oh, please shoot me out before because they're going to talk for a long time. Um, but talk to me a little bit about how that moment, what was that? My recollection was there was a lot of conversation about that and capturing that spy shot of them finally coming in and doing that kiss. Well, there was a lot of conversation. I think that John and Jenna had a lot of, uh, what's the right word? Well, they were anxious about the scene. You know, I spoke with Jenna about this about a year ago and I went back and looked at the shooting schedule for that episode, Casino Night, because I misremembered something. I thought that we shot the kiss like at the very end of the schedule, but in fact, we didn't. We shot it on, the, I think, the second last day of the schedule. The last day was the night work, the you know the exterior scene between Pam and Jim where they basically break up. It's the penultimate scene before yes. he comes back in and kisses her. So it was just interesting to me that for the two actors – they were playing the outcome before they played the scene. That, oh, interesting. And obviously they played both scenes well. But in terms of the camera placement, I definitely remember talking to Greg about, you know, we wanted to, A, be hidden, and we wanted to find the furthest place to be, and that was that, you know, there's a little glass partition, you know, kind of near the, where the water cooler is, and we just hid back there. To me, the most interesting thing about the moment is the fact that if you shoot a kiss, Traditionally, you want to be able to see two faces. And I've, you know, directed a few kisses before. And you and there's always like you usually maybe you'll put people in a kind of 50-50 orientation to the camera. Right. Or you have separate shots. But this show, of course, that's not what we do. And I think it, I don't remember if it was Greg's suggestion or if it if the actors came up with it or they, or maybe they just happened. But we don't see Jenna's reaction to the kiss. We see John. Right. And they kiss and they break and I think they look at each other for a beat and that's the end of the scene. But I think one of the things I've often thought about with that shot is as an audience, you get the pleasure of being Pam. You're being looked at by Jim. 
you you don't see her reaction, so you get to, as an audience, kind of write it yourself. And I think that shot, and it's you know very it's very simple, but it, it, I think that's to me the 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 thing that's most noteworthy about it is 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 the 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 person who's surprised by the kiss, you don't see their face. Right, that's very interesting. I it occurs to me too, and this is probably more Greg. I'll just side note that, but sure, you know the idea that. Because you guys were so concerned about the reality and having it be in a real place, happening mm-hmm. at a real time, there was an insistence that around the time the episode aired was when this was happening. So if there weren't any episodes airing over the summer, mm. then the documentary crew was on vacation and mm. we didn't see that. Mm. And there was something so compelling in the storytelling going from that kiss where in Friends, right, Ross and Rachel kiss, and then when they come back, it's the moment immediately after right. they kiss. Right. Whereas this, when we come back again, Jim's gone. And right. so it's about finding out everything gradually over time, what happened and why he left and the fallout from the kiss. I just... You know what? It's great. I've never... And, and yes, I mean, I think that's kudos to Greg and writing staff because I, I what's nice about that is information is not served up to you you have to kind of you know discover what's going on work for it too you have to work for it and i think it makes you a more attentive viewer and i think it's more gratifying as an audience member you're kind of thrown into the deep end wait what's going on why is jim what what desk is this where is he you know stanford what you know like it's like you, you get to kind of you get to kind of uh you know, do a little detective work as you're watching the episode. You know, one thing about that is it mimics what does happen in our lives. We work with people and then they go away. You know, they they leave, they get another job, they get married. So I feel like, I mean, I think I've never talked to Greg about it, but I think he was constantly trying to make sure that, you know, there was, you know, a sense of the unexpected. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. How do you feel like the directing the show changed as the show continued? Well, I, I mean, I didn't work on every season. Sure. And you I took and a long fact, break. I took a long break and, and I will say that whatever season I was working in, I guess I felt like I just naturally circled back to those impulses that we had during the pilot. Mm-hmm. Not because I was trying to like, you know, make a point like, Let's remember what we did. It was was more like, that's all I knew what to do. Right. So that even though occasionally I would watch an episode and, you know, maybe it was covered in a slightly more conventional way than I might have. I think my instinct when I, you know, when I did direct was to try and, um, just kind of respect the, the original impulses and and, and again, respect, you know, Greg's original ideas too. Making things a little dirtier. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and by the way, it's, it's easy to forget those things. You go away, you work on a different show or a different film that has a a whole other style and then you have to come back and unlearn some things. But I feel like, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely remember, I mean, along the way, like shooting the hundredth episode company picnic. And there was a lot of, uh, it was actually a complicated episode for a lot of reasons, including, I would just say to all writers, <laughs> writer producers, don't write complicated dialogue scenes while people are playing volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing I learned doing this show, exactly. that's no it. volleyball while talking. <laughs> yes. the uh, But I remember just feeling like it, I had to kind of, again, unlearn things I was doing on different films and shows and kind of go back 
to kind of the show's roots. So I hope that that was a good thing for everyone to, you know, that, oh, but you know, but that's, that was just my natural instinct was to kind of circle back to the beginning. Absolutely. Did you ever have conversations with other directors who are about to work on, who maybe hadn't been on the show yet? Did you remember talking to anybody or give, offering any advice on that or? Well, Greg and I did when he, you know, Greg and I definitely sure. did. The first episode Greg directed is one of the very best ones, you know, basketball. Yep. It's fantastic. But by the way, Brian, okay, so I when I first saw the cut of basketball, I assumed that was a visual effect. No. That wasn't <laughs> a you, visual of effect. Of you doing all, no, no, because how much, there's like six in a row, I think. Uh, there's 13 on the DVD, Ken. No, there you, is? There's really? Thir- there were no. 13 in a row, yes. I literally, when I saw it, I go, how, what, how, I literally, my mind went to, how did they get the money for that effect? <laughs> <laughs> they hired me <laughs> really cheaply. Um, yeah, no, that was me. It's fantastic. Um, no, before when you were talking also about, about having to re-remember things, you know, Kevin started to look into the lens quite a bit as the series mm-hmm. extended out. Um, when he had secrets, when he was uh, being childish about something. And I remember right when the show ended and starting to work on other shows and going, oh, God, I can't look in the lens. What am I doing looking in the lens? <laughs> You're not allowed to do that on any other show. Come on, get it together. Um, so, yes, I know what you mean. I definitely remember a feeling, um, what's the right way to put it? Like, you know, like the prodigal son or something. I'd been away and come back. And right. I, would I be accepted? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. It was, I truly, I always remember, I always remember how happy everyone was when you came back. Well, I'm, I'm glad. The, um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's funny. I was thinking about something I did in the, in the early episodes I don't know if other directors did it. I think it ended, but that, that was the idea that during our, you know, talking head interviews that I used to s- sit next to the camera. Yes. And I think that that was not something that other directors did as much or maybe not at all. I never talked to anyone about it, but I remember uh, like coming back after a few seasons and definitely at the, at, toward, you know, at the end too, that like... You know, Jenna thought it was strange suddenly that I was there sitting at the camera again because it had been a while since anyone yes. had done that. Yes. So. Well, it's it's funny. I was always I was of two minds because you're such an open person, mm-hmm. and you and I believe that the energy that you you give out, you're creating an environment, and you're wanting as the interviewer to just be present for the mm-hmm. actor who's talking. Mm-hmm. So for me, if there was someone there who was, you know, I'm picking up, you know, very concerned about the words or thinking Mm -hmm. about something else and looking down, that wasn't helpful to have that. It was way easier for me to look at a mark than to look at somebody who was doing something that wasn't helpful to me. I know there were also occasions, especially with some of our writer directors, um, that could not stop laughing. Oh, and so right. it, was, it, was, it was way better <laughs> For them to get to them in the aware. corner or in the other room um, than I, to be right there. I do remember at the beginning of the series that one of the things, and I'm not a writer. Well, I don't fancy myself a writer, but I remember tr- hoping that we could actually have a conversation that would lead into the scripted talking head line. 
Yes. And that was something, you know, we did on occasion. And again, I make no claim of being able to improv, but it was like, what could I set up that would kind of lead to the line? Yes. And that, that, you know, but I do think after a while that wasn't necessary, but it was a fun thing to do at the top of the series. Absolutely. I do remember, by the way, when you were talking about being trapped at work, I, now I remember something Greg and I discussed, and that was where those interviews would be shot. Yes. So they're generally two places. And one angle, of course, is each actor sits with the glass facing the bullpen behind them. And the other place is with your back to the wall, the opposite wall. And I remember Greg very specifically saying he loved the idea that that frame would have a little sliver of the window in it, but just a little bit, because there's no reason to see that you could get out. Right. <laughs> and those are, and, and I remember that's you know, a lot of where John's, yes. John's shots are. Well, I think, and I had totally forgotten about this, that John's was toward the outside. Because he dreamt of getting out. Absolutely. That was absolutely part of, that was the subtext of, I mean, it wasn't his subtext, but that was Greg's idea that, you know, I love that, that there was an, there was something that objectively told the story of his hopes and his dreams, you know. Whereas Kevin, most of the characters was shot so you could only see the bullpen, right, the office, exactly. because that's where they were going to be forever. <laughs> yes. No, I, I remember that. No, that's actually, and yet that angle on John only featured a little bit of that window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How was shooting outside of the bullpen? I mean, we have these physical barriers that exist within the office. How was moving outside as, as we started to, you know, especially after the first two seasons and going more to locations, mm-hmm. did that create more issues to keep the style and the look of the show the same or let me i'll just speak about one episode and that's booze cruise because obviously we sure we shot on a real boat um where were we in cat long beach long beach yes and uh one of the things i loved is is and and i didn't choose the boat greg chose the boat but the boat for me was like very claustrophobic i felt like we were it was like just dunder mifflin floating in the water i mean i felt like everything about that space was very tight constricted it was hard to shoot in. it kind of it again it it sort of recreated the conditions of the workplace on the water right so in a funny way i like the fact that you know sometimes we'd go on location and we'd basically be in the same kind of place (laughs) right yes we're on vacation for a fun night out and we're just actually in the (laughs) office again um well, booze cruise, the 27 seconds of silence that happened between Jim and Pam, was that an organic moment that happened? Did you have to fight for that time of silence? Or I don't know, just talk me through that a little bit, like the shooting of it and or the decision to allow it to stay in. I mean, the length of the silence was not something we planned, obviously, to the second but I think, you know, John and Jenna both knew that, you know, there were no rules about pace. And so it was not objectionable to, you know, l- let the moment linger. I don't remember when we shot it feeling like, oh, my God, this is it. We've broken the record for longest <laughs> right. in moment of, <laughs> right, of course. talking. In a, of course. But, but I do remember mo- mostly that it was uh, that it felt very truthful. It could have been half that length. 
it, it didn't really matter. It, it was, you know, it just felt very truthful. And I turned in my cut and probably worked with Greg on the cut, but it was Greg who ultimately, you know, fought to keep it in at that length. I only hope that by that point in the in the series, it wasn't that big a fight because it was clear what we were doing and what we were doing was compelling. For me, it's that classic thing of, you know, it, if you're involved, it doesn't, you don't feel that the time passing, you know, you're just, in, you're involved, you know, and, and, and for those two actors, again, they were just so invested in that moment. I don't think they had a clue that they were, you know, stretching the limits of what's acceptable on a broadcast network television. <laughs> right. right. Maybe they were. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. 
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. So Greg approached you about coming back for the finale, or he asked you, or how did that come about? He asked me to come back for the finale. It had been two or three seasons since I worked on the show, but I think Greg wanted to create a sense of coming full circle and returning to the show's origins. And I also was a, a little daunted by the fact that and this is a good thing that so many of the characters, so many of the characters who began the series, you know, in secondary roles, everybody's role had grown and, and, and everybody had a complicated story to tell. And, uh, how are we going to do that? Well, it, it, it took longer than a normal show. That's for sure. It's like right. a feature length finale. <laughs> right. How involved were you? leading up to the table read. You know, the table read became a very big deal, as you recall, with a humongous audience in this giant auditorium <laughs> on some location. I can't even remember where it was, but. I, here's how I, I was, here's what happened with the table reading is you know, I, I was used to reading the scene description. And so I just sort of casually said to Greg, would you like me to read the scene description? And he said, absolutely not. I thought, whoa, whoa, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I, I, I don't need to read it. <laughs> Little did I realize what he was planning. He was planning this sort of table reading extravaganza. <laughs> yes. Yes. Had you read it before? Oh yeah. I definitely. Okay. Cause I mean, we, none of us had. Really? No, oh we, I mean, we had the scripts delivered. I mean, if some people did, it was because they had a soft morning, you know, by, by later in the seasons, we were not, and it wasn't a product of them keeping it a secret. They just, they were working and right. we were shooting and then suddenly it would be table read day and there would be a, an episode in the, in, in this trailer. Well, I definitely, I read the finale and I was also part of the discussions about Steve's, you know, cameo appearance. Right. I guess he, I don't know if you could call it a cameo appearance, his return. Yes. And how we were planning to keep it a secret. It's still remarkable to me that it was kept a secret considering the fact that he, you know, his appearance in the finale is at a wedding where there were like, you know, a, a lot of people, people yes. <laughs> so I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me that it was kept secret, but it was. I will say that I was pestered by different news people and uh, I honed my, you know, fibbing skills quite well. <laughs> well, I somehow knew the day before or a couple of days before. I knew that it was coming. Why did you feel that was important for him to come back? Or did you? (laughs) Well, I mean, aside from the, just the, you know, the kind of excitement of getting the whole gang back together again. I mean, I feel like it, it sort of speaks a lot to Michael's character that he would show up for the wedding. Just emotionally, it felt like where Michael was, I mean, that Michael's evolution over the course of the series, it made perfect sense that he wasn't going to miss that. 
Absolutely. Why do you think that the office has not just maintained, but why is the show more popular now than it was even when it aired? What is it about the show that you think, you know, that so many people respond to? Yeah, I wonder if all the renew. Ah, let me think about that. I have a good. That's a good question. Oh, I have an answer. I, I feel like the continuing popularity of the show has a lot to do with the fact that most of us do work in really dreary jobs and feel trapped in the workplace. And I feel like, in a funny way, the show really honors that experience. Right. <laughs> and. Uh, I can speak very personally. My, you know, I have a brother who's younger than me who works at a store in our hometown. And when you go in, you know, behind the counter of the store, uh, are all the office bobbleheads, all of them. Wow. And I think in, in a weird way, it, it it's less about the fact that I worked on the show and more about the fact that you know, working people connect with these characters. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think the office contributed to, or, the culture sort of at the time and reality television started to become larger. And here we were doing a scripted television show to have it attempt uh, mm -hmm. to be done. I mean, Randall Einhorn and Matt Sohn were reality mm -hmm. TV mm -hmm. camera people. I don't know. I just, I, there's something interesting there to me about that reality TV started happening, you know, en masse at that mm -hmm. time. And here we were a scripted comedy show right? Mm -hmm. uh, attempting to do the same thing. I don't know. I will say that a lot of people, you know, that I talked to about the show assume that it was improvised. Right. And are, they're surprised when I say it was actually very carefully scripted, obviously scripted to sound, you know, off the cuff at times, but it, it wasn't a show like, uh, I imagine Curb Your Enthusiasm is that I've never worked on it, but I imagine it's mostly improvised. Yes. Or Christopher Guest's films, which yes. are remarkable. But no, The Office was the opposite. It was very, uh, and I hate the word formatted, so I won't use it, but it was a very well-crafted, each week was a well-crafted script. So I feel like in a way, it probably fooled people and it may have created a, you know, it may have set an example that other people followed in the wrong way <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right. Because it was actually very much about, you know, it, there's a lot, so much good writing craft going on. Right. And uh, I think the fact that people were fooled into thinking it was spontaneous or improvised is a tribute to how well-written it was. Written and directed. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, what are you most proud of about your contribution to the show or the show itself? I'm very proud of the fact that there were a lot of naysayers at the beginning. There are a lot of people who said this will fail and that it didn't fail. Actually it, it succeeded, but it succeeded on its own terms. And that's what I'm proud of. That's so great. Put on your headphones for one second. Hey, will you play that clip? I thought it was weird when you picked us to make a documentary, but all in all, I think an ordinary paper company like Dunder Mifflin was a great subject for a documentary. There's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? 
That is the point. That's why it's continued to be popular. Okay, so well, I mean that. I mean, to me, what that says is that's what Greg thought the point was. Yeah. You know, what do you think? You think yeah. beauty in the ordinary? Yeah. I mean, I also feel like the the um, you know just as a director. It was such a pleasure and a privilege to kind of do something that didn't go down the middle of the road. And I think audiences respect that and, and love that about the show. I actually do remember a different ending to the finale. Okay. As I recall, the original ending was, uh, you know, the night before, or rather the night of the, sto- the, the story, that all the characters decide they need to take the plant, planty, Planty. That's in the bullpen. That's been in the bullpen for nine seasons. Yes. That, like sad looking plant. And every they somebody, maybe, I don't know, is it Kevin? I don't somebody know. makes a suggestion that Planty needs to be liberated. Planty yes. needs to escape. And so everyone marches out of the office uh, with a, two or three of the characters carrying Planty and everyone's chanting Planty, Planty. Yes. The entire ensemble then goes out outside of the building in the parking lot in front of Dunder Mifflin's building and they plant planty and the original ending as Greg and I discussed was that you know everyone kind of wanders away everyone's been drinking and everyone's you know feeling a little sad but you know festive and we hold on this empty uh, parking lot with a the plant newly planted the one that was in dunder mifflin is now outside and as i recall greg's original plan was that there'd be a dissolve through to the next morning and you just see the empty parking lot at dawn with this plant in its new home fascinating (laughs) i totally forgot that yeah that's great and um i'm not surprised that Greg decided to end with Pam's drawing. I mean, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. And and it yes, Pam's you know final speech about finding the beauty in the ordinary is certainly it could not be a better summation statement. But going back to the offbeatness of the show, I I must say I loved the idea of a show that ended with a shot of an empty parking lot and a plant. And a plant. It's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, we, you know, I talked to Jenna some about it and, you know, I was saying to her, like if the office was a, was a being, a person Mm -hmm. or that Pam was clearly the heart of the show. Obviously she's, you know, has the love interest with Jim. Mm -hmm. Dwight describes her as his best friend Mm -hmm. um, in the end. And, you know, she's the one that has the last moment with Michael when he's leaving. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that it, it goes back to her. I do think she was the emotional heart of the show. Well, you know, I mean, I guess the, the only thing I'll, I would add to that is the show is a comedy, but within it is a romantic story. And the romantic story is not played for laughs. The romantic story is grounded and real and, in a very, you know, old fashioned sense, this is a show with clowns and lovers. Yes. And, and a different show is different. You know, a wonderful show like friends, the romantic storylines are funny. Yes. But in the office, Pam and Jim, we don't love them because of the laughs. We love them because of how, you know, grounded and real that relationship is. Well, and we couldn't because both 
Jenna and John aren't funny. So we wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be able to. Thank goodness it wasn't written that way. I didn't say that. Um, I just so appreciate you being here. Oh my gosh. And I am so honored that you gave us any time. And I just want you to know, just watching things through again and just you as a person, I love you. And I just, I want you to know how much I respect you and give you full credit for the world that was created on the office with Greg. Well, I love you too. And I miss you. My gosh, I it's know. been too long. It's been so, I'm just I so know. excited that you're doing this too. And oh. I, it was also it's so comfortable to talk with, to you about this. Good. I felt like, like, oh, let's just talk about yeah, this. Yeah. Let's stuff. just talk yeah. about it. Exactly. Um, thank All you right. so much. Oh my gosh. Well, you heard it here, folks. Instead of talking about the beauty of ordinary things, I could have been talking about the beauty of plenty this whole time. And you know what? Maybe that's not such a bad idea. Ken, thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to me. I I so appreciate it. And to all of my listeners, you know this, I appreciate you as well. Make sure to tune in next week for another behind-the-scenes look at the show in a brand-new interview with editor extraordinaire Dave Rogers. Oh, and don't forget, you can pre-order our very new and very exciting book, Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, The Ultimate Oral History of the Office, on Amazon right now. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss it. But in the meantime, I just need you to do one thing. Have a fan-freaking-tastic week. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Tessa Kramer. Our producers for this episode are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xu umo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo play xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 